Well, my dog's high-value treat and please don't shudder in horror is a Cheeto. That's how I trained him in agility. But he doesn't get Cheetos oh any other gosh. time. I know. It was the only That's thing funny. I could think of <laughs> when, they, when I was training oh him. They're like, find something that he will just absolutely kill for. And I'm like, well, he will kill for Cheetos. Welcome to Mouthful. I'm Lori Lynn Barker. Mouthful is a podcast about food, culture, and the makers in the world. On this episode, I talk with Joel Silverman, celebrity dog trainer. Mouthful is sponsored by ccfdocumentation.com. Let CCF develop your e-learning or instructional video training. From training assessment to course creation and LMS administration, CCF is your one-stop training resource. Check them out at ccfdocumentation.com. On this episode, I get to talk about my other favorite thing in life, and that is dogs. I love dogs. I love my dogs. I didn't grow up really as a dog person. I got my first dog, and I was hooked when I was like in my 20s, I think. In my lifetime, I've had Dobermans, Wiener Dogs, Skipper Keys, Basenjis, Labs, and now I am owned by two dogs, Frankie and Brody. Brody is my 100-pound shepherd cattle dog mix. It took me a while to figure out what kind of shepherd, and thanks to the dog show on Thanksgiving, I now know that he is mixed with Boozeron. Boozeron's breed trait is that they have double dew claws, which is a breed standard. And what I got from this dog show, the dew claws are used to climb trees. Thank goodness Brody has never climbed a tree. If you look at a picture of a Boozeron, Brody looks exactly like a Boussaron with cattle dog markings. The reason I tell you this is because I really like to say the word Boussaron. Brody's from the Boulder Humane Society. I'm a strong supporter of adopting animals. And I also have Frankie. Frankie's my other boyfriend. Frankie's an Aussie mix. The vet told me once that he might be mixed with Dingo. So we're really trying to figure out where the Dingo came from because he's from northern Colorado. So we're not really sure what he is. He's just Frankie. And when you meet Frankie, you go, yeah, he's a Frankie. You will hear me talk about them in the interview. So be prepared. You're going to hear more about Frankie and Brody. In this episode, I talk with Joel Silverman, celebrity dog trainer. He is like most dog lovers and can talk dogs forever. In this interview, he also gives some great training suggestions. So here we go. Here's Joel Silverman. Um, Well, my name is Joel Silverman, and uh, I'm a celebrity dog trainer. I had a show on, a lot of people know me because I had a show on Animal Planet called Good Dog You. It aired from... Um, 1999 to 2009, over about 10 years, is one of the very first shows on Animal Planet, dog training shows. And then um, more recently, there was a, um, a TV series I did called What Colors Your Dog? It was a syndicated show, and it aired in about, 20, um, about 70% of the country. And then uh, more, most, most people will recognize me as the um, – I was featured in a Chase Bank commercial with my dog, Duchess, with a bunch of dogs rolling over and stuff and, um, as well about four years ago in, in 2009. 2015. So, um, but, you know, I grew up as a, you know, a Hollywood animal trainer, training animals for movies, TV shows, and commercials. That's kind of how I started. 
And prior to that, I grew up doing shows in theme parks and all the theme parks in Southern California, with the exception of Disneyland. And I was a marine mammal trainer, a killer whale trainer at SeaWorld. I did the animals for Universal Studios. I did the, I did a dolphin show at Magic Mountain. I put a dolphin show in it, you know, Knott's Berry Farm and things. So I kind of grew up in live shows. But, you know, I grew up as a movie animal trainer, and that's kind of what got me into, you know, working in Hollywood and eventually into doing stuff on camera. So I, I kind of worked on both sides of the camera. And then just recently, I just launched, um, well, I, I wrote about, I wrote four books. I'm working on my fifth book right now and um, just launched these dog trainer certification courses about three years ago where I certify people to be dog trainers. I fly to primarily dog daycare businesses across the nation, and I help them implement dog training in their business and do my, with my own certification. It's a four-day hands-on course. So that's, that's me in a nutshell. In a nutshell. How did you become an animal trainer? Is it, did you always have a love of animals? How did that what was the journey to become an official dog trainer? The way, the way it started, honestly, was my parents. I grew up in Southern California, and my parents, they grew up in the L.A. area, and my parents would always take me to San Diego uh, on vacation every summer as a, as a kid. And so, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, I was just fascinated by um, the trainers watching, you know, train the marine mammals, especially the killer whales. I was just fascinated. I was just fascinated with the killer whales. And um, eventually, when I was 16 years old, I, you know, I, I wanted to, you know, be a little closer, and maybe this is something I kind of wanted to do. And so, I actually got hired during the summers to um, be a, a park operations person. I picked up trash, you know, and um, but I worked at the stadium, this, you know, Shamu Stadium, and everything. And then I bugged the trainer or the um, director of training. I bugged him over and over again for like two years. And eventually, they hired me as a trainer. And I started off with, you know, birds, and eventually. Um, um, you know, um, sea lions and eventually killer whales, dolphins and killer whales, and primarily killer whales. I spent most of my life, um, most of my time in the water with them. And uh, and back then it was all water work, you know, a lot of water work. So you spent, you know, most of your day in the water with the whales and things. And um, But I trained the whales to do a lot of, you know, to shoot me out of the water and do all these different behaviors and things like that. And that's kind of, that's how I started. Um, but I grew up in L.A. initially, and I was trying to do the show at Universal Studios before I left if I went to work for SeaWorld. So I left SeaWorld and went back to doing a show at Universal Studios. It was a contracted show, the animal actors, called the Animal Actor Stage. And that's what got me into training birds, dogs, and cats. And because um, we did this, we did that, you know, in the show. And then the guy that I worked for, Ray Berwick, he also contract, did a lot of, not only with contracting the shows, we also did a lot of movie work as well. Um, and that's kind of what got me into working on the set. So that's kind of, that's kind of how I started. And, um, you know, I don't, you know, my family, my dad, my parents were teachers and my dad was a coach. So then they weren't in the animal training business. A lot of people always ask me if my parents weren't in the dog training business or whatever. And I'm like, the the farthest thing from that, my dog, my dad never was comfortable around animals, you know. Well, and I find the people who are really into animals come from a family that weren't really into animals. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. You know, you hear no, people like, I was only allowed one dog, and then when they become an adult, they have 10, because we want more right. than one. <laughs> exactly. No, but you're absolutely correct. I've, I've seen that a lot. I've seen that a lot. Tell me about your books. Um, well, the very first book I wrote was called What Color Is Your Dog? And it, it, it basically, what, what it simply means is you're, your dog is given a color based on personality. I got really tired of dog trainers, and I, I still am tired of it, when dog trainers are trying to force a technique on people and, you know, one style. And you're, you're just in a fantasy world if you think for some reason one style is going to work for every single dog. Um, people are different, and so are dogs. 
and you really need to train your dog based on the personality of the dog that it's giving you at the time that you're working with the dog because the personality can change based upon the environment that the, the dog is in. And so a good example is, uh, so you know, we say, what color is your dog? Your dog is one of five colors, red, orange, yellow, green, or blue. And the reds and orange dogs are the warmer color dogs. The blues and greens are the cooler color dogs. And then in the, in the center, we have a yellow dog. And um, some dogs are naturally yellow. Some dog, they're you know, mellow, we call mellow yellow. And some dogs are mellow yellow because they had a really, really good owner or trainer and they became a yellow dog. They were orange or green, they became yellow. So on one end of the spectrum, we have a red dog, which is going to be really, really super high strung, just, you know, going crazy. And then we have an orange dog uh, moving towards the center. We have an orange dog, which is um, going to be high strung, not, not the degree of a red, but it's very, very high strung, very, very reactive. And a lot of dogs in animal shelters probably 35 to 40% are orange dogs. Mm -hmm. And then in the middle of the spectrum, of course, we have a yellow dog. And then moving out on the other direction, we have a green dog, which is going to be timid. They're going to be apprehensive. They're going to be cautious. And again, 35 to probably 40% of dogs are green dogs. And then we have a blue dog, which is, you know, on the other, you know, which is further out, which is really, really afraid of everything. You walk into a house, he runs under a bed, probably has some really bad, um, you know, training, bad, bad care, poor care, poor training. Um, for for some years, and so the blues and greens are the cooler color dogs, and the and the oranges and the reds are the warmer color dogs. And my whole philosophy is, you would never train a cooler color dog like a warmer color dog. The way you walk, the way you talk, the way you move, the way you reward, the tools you use, everything you do, is like night and day. And the cool thing about it is your dog can change colors. And you know, the closer your dog is to the center of the spectrum, the easier your dog is to train. So a yellow dog is going to be easier. A blue dog or a red dog is going to be a lot more challenging. But a blue dog, over the course of time, if things are done the right way, can become green. And a green dog, if things are done the right way, can become yellow. And a you know, red dog can become, can become orange, and an orange dog can become yellow. I mean, you know, Will a red Jack Russell ever be a yellow dog? Probably not, but it will probably be a, an orange dog if things are done the right way, if you socialize the animal, train the animal, and things like that. So, you know, the, you get the cooler color dogs need motivation. High value treats. They they need that type of thing. Um, the orange color dog, the or the the, um, the warmer color dogs. They don't need motivation. They're already reactive. They're already excited. They need to be calmed down. And that's that's really the difference in in training the cooler color dogs and the warmer color dogs. I have a personal question. I have a dog that I rescued as a puppy, and he has always been, for lack of a better word, skittish. Now I've taken him to mm -hmm. obedience training. I've done agility training with him. I make sure I socialize him, but he is still skittish, and he's 12. Is there anything that is he always going to be skittish for the rest of his life, or is that something I can actually work on still? I, you know, I don't know. I don't, you know, because because I don't know the dog, you know, and stuff. But um, but you know, my 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 thing is is that I don't know really what you did. Like, even though somebody did agility, and though somebody has done okay, they've socialized the animal to agility, they've done these different things. You know, I don't know that that necessarily is i mean it's good to get your dog out but is that what's going to help your dog from being skittish mm -hmm. or you know skittish from people so my question is like i'm working on my fifth book right now called rituals and okay. um rituals is a great it's a it's my, it's my best it's my best book so far and i'm about halfway done with it it's going to be done next month and you know what we talk about with rituals is understanding and i'm really working on this last chapter where we really we're showing people how to how to deal with some of these issues that dogs have, these rituals that they create, um, that are created over the course of time. And your dog has created a certain these certain rituals over the course of time, and whether it was 
unintentionally rewarded by you or other people, that's what gets the dog. That's what that's how rituals rituals are created. Right. They're created because the dog is able to play out these actions and manifest, in, you know, out um, these things that that happen. And so, my question is to a lot of people, and, and is that you know, is your dog skittish? Is it around people? Is it around moving objects? Is it, you know, we we talk about people, places, and things. Well, is it are there certain places the dog gets you know skittish? Is it certain people? Is it all people? Is it moving objects? Is it something with wheels? Is it something that makes noise? You know, that's the that's really the question you want to ask people is, you know, what is it where your dog is skittish? And if somebody was to say, you know, it's everything. It's all of those things, all of the above. Well, then what we need to do is we need to find a way to work the dog and get the dog conditioned to, to working around all of the above. And that starts off with uh, a, a style of training, which is called redirection. And redirection simply means we redirect the dog using a high-value treat, something that the dog really, really that never gets in a training session, never gets in at, at, at times, but the dog loves it and goes crazy over it. And if I can, you know, a good example is this dog is afraid of me. And if I you know, was your neighbor and, and every time I came to the front door, a dog would just be like, okay, you know, bail, you know, from <laughs> doesn't you want to come to the front door because he's afraid of me. Well, my attitude is the first thing I would do is say, all right, let's just, let's get to a neutral place. Let's just, you know, get to a place maybe in the front yard where you've got the dog on a leash and the dog will take a treat from me. And yeah, the dog will take a treat from me in the front yard, you know, barely take a treat from me, but it will still take a treat from me. And if we just, you know, give the dog a piece of chicken or a piece of steak or something like that, you know, a couple pieces, I give, you know, a couple different pieces, you know, over the course of 10 seconds or 15 seconds and I bail, I'm gone. Mm -hmm. And we do the same thing the next day in the same place, in the front yard. And we do the same thing again the next day. So we start on a Monday, and by Wednesday, all of a sudden by Wednesday, we've done this, you know, a couple times now, and on Wednesday at 5 o'clock, here I am, all of a sudden the dog is like, well, I'm not, you know, it's not it's not the guy that he's afraid of necessarily. I'm more interested in the guy that gave me a piece of steak. <laughs> right. And that's what's called redirection. <laughs> and that's redirection, and that's how redirection works. It really, really works awesome because you're letting the dog take it upon himself to figure out, it's like, whoa, it's not about that. It's a, now, the only difference is you're going to make people need to make sure that the, that the high-value trait you're using is greater than his fear of right. whatever it is, the right. person, place, or thing. And if you can do that, well, then now what ends up happening is you've got, um, you, you've got a place to start. With dog training, you need a place to start. Will he take the treat from the person? Absolutely. Okay, let's just let's just you know get him to come running in and take the person. I'm not going to move at all. I'm going to I'm going to be a prop. You're going to bring the dog and take the every day at five o'clock. Now you're going to take the dog out of the house. He's going to come run, before you know. He's going to come running over to me. Hey, how you doing? You know, I'm not moving. I'm not looking at you. I'm not going to pet you. But I'm just going to be a prop and give you this treat. Dog yeah. put eventually put his feet up on me, and, and because <laughs> because I because he has a trust in me, knowing the fact that I'm not going to do anything. Well, now what ends up happening is, as you he starts walking out. Now the next step would maybe be me walking away a little bit, and I call him good boy, and calling him, you know, I walk away, and then Alex takes a treat. Now all of a sudden you and I start taking a walk, and I start walking, you know, giving him a treat as we're walking, taking a walk, and now there's that movement, because when there's that movement, that's, it, there, there's a change there. You're asking the dog to, to get used to something else. So now we're moving around a little bit. So it's just one, you know, one thing at dog a time. training is one step at a time, and the best animal trainers are the ones that can break it down, you know, into steps and say to themselves, okay, I'm going to start with step one. And eventually I know I want to get to step 10 finished it, but how do I get to those steps and how do I make it as easy on the as, as easy on, as possible on the dog 
and not move too fast. Take it really, really super slow. But that's what dog training is about. And is the treat that you give the dog only specific to the action that you're doing? The treat, not necessarily. Oh, okay. Um, we will use, I'll use treats, like I've used, I use Bill Jack treats. People mm-hmm. know, you know, I, I feed Bill Jack food. I use them I use, too. I've been using treats. Yeah, that's great. I've been using treats for years. And so um, I'll use the treat, um, for example, uh, in most of my training sessions. But let's say I'm using... Um, I've got a dog, and I really, really want to, um, just this one situation, he's a little afraid of these people. If I want to use something a little different, I might use a real piece of chicken or a real piece of steak or a real piece of um, mm-hmm. cheese um, just to make things a little bit different for the dog. Or it might be an absolutely Bill Jack treat. There are, you know, there are a lot of different treats that are out there, mm-hmm. but there might be a Bill Jack treat that he just goes crazy over. So I'll never, I'm not going to give him that treat that he goes crazy over, that Bill Jack treat, in every session, but I will give it to him in that session where I want to use redirection, okay? And then the other Bill Jack traits that he likes but just doesn't go nuts over, um, I'll use those in the other sessions. Does, does that make sense? Yes, it does. It definitely Th- does. That's the idea. and that, that's, that's really what the idea is, yeah. Well, I, do, I know with my dogs, uh, one of them is on medicine, and I've trained all mm-hmm. of them to have this, this medicine treat. That's what we call it in the morning. So in case they have to t- start taking medicine, it's already ingrained in them. But one of my dogs mm-hmm. has to take medicine, and he only gets a certain style of treat with his medicine. He doesn't get it any other time, and it's a, it's that's, a high-value yeah, no, no, treat. No, that's, that's, that's exactly it. No, that is exactly it because you're taking the high-value treat, and you're making it a special occasion. Mm-hmm. If, they only, if they get it all the time, it's no longer a high-value treat. It's right. no longer special. You know? right. And that's the other thing we, we teach people. Um, is we, I'm, I'm in Reno, I'm in, um, I live in Reno, Nevada, but I'm in Oregon mm-hmm. right now teaching my course. Um, mm-hmm. I'm actually teaching, I'm at a, I'm going on a break right now, but I've, I've got students that are going through my certification course at a human, at a, um, dog daycare business. Um, and, but we just kind of went through that today. Um, just explaining them a little bit about that today, about the fact that how you need to make, if you're using it as a high value treatment and you're using it as a, in a, in a session, a certain session, make the session special right. make the treat special you got to make it special and like you say whether you're giving medication or whatever it is you know um exactly what you just did you know well my dog's high value treat and please don't shudder in horror is a cheeto that's how i trained him in agility but he doesn't get cheetos oh any other gosh. time i know it was the only that's thing funny. i could think of <laughs> when that's they when funny. i was training oh him they're like find something that he will just absolutely kill for and i'm like well, he will kill for Cheetos, so, oh, <laughs> but he hilarious. only gets them in certain times, so mm-hmm. that's how yeah. that is. But yeah, that's that's interesting. But anyways, you know, there are a lot of you know there are a lot of um, um, Bill Jack treats that are out there, and you know, Bill Jack originally when they came out, the um, people that know me know that I've been feeding the food since like 1990. I met Bob Kelly, the president, um, in 1990, and uh, on the set of Emptiness, this TV series I was doing, I was doing, I did a video. And, um, and you were we responsible and, for yes. the dog, correct? That you trained the dog that the was trainer, on Empty Nest. I trained Dreyfus on the TV series Empty Nest. Yeah, I was the trainer of the dog on the show for like four years. And so, but we had done a video, and then you know, Bob had explained to me about the food and really how, how it worked, how it was you know made, and it was just it was really surprising to me. I didn't realize I thought all foods were done the same way, and I didn't realize that they actually you know slow you know cook the cook the the, the food was um, slow cooked in small batches. And he explained to me the reason they did it was because they can cook it at lower temperatures. And the lower the temperature, the less chance you have of damaging the amino, the um, the proteins. And so that's why the food is is 
it was really probably the freshest of all the foods because of the fact that they could cook at low temperatures. And so I always tell people that all the time and go to their website and they can read about it and kind of how it's done, the process. Um, but what I was going to say was, you know, back in the day, they had, you know, one food and you know one treat mm-hmm. like everybody else. And now, of course, they've got a lot of different types of foods and they've got a lot of, a lot of different treats. So every dog is different. They all like different, have different flavors and things. And they do taste the flavors. And there's there's many, many different types of treats um, that I use. And I always tell people that I like um, the Little Jacks because they're smaller. And um, I always like to give small amounts of treats to the dogs myself because I'm doing multiple sessions. Um, but they've got other Bill Jack treats that come in these like little milk cartons and they're um, – they're pretty good size. So, um, but it's really based upon what people want to do, you know, whatever, you know, as far as their choice goes. Well, I know as far as I can uh, remember, as back as I can remember, is that people like when I go see dog shows or train dogs, they've always used Bill Jack treats. And I just always automatically assume that Bill Jack treats were training treats. So it's been around yeah, my yeah. life for quite a while. No, they have, but you know, and, and but movie animal trainers. I know a lot of people in Southern California that um, they still feed that treat, those treats, those bills are treats. Mm-hmm. Can you share what the five things people should know when training their dog? Well, the, the, the five things. First of all, the bond and the relationship is everything. Successful dog trainers will tell you when your dog wants to please you, wants to make you happy. I mean, training is a hundred percent easier. So. You really, really want to build the bond, you know, get the relationship, get the dog, you know, where he wants to please you and make you happy. Um, the second thing I would tell people is um, you need to train every dog differently based on, you know, the dog's individual personality. And um, every single dog is different. And we talked about this before. If you have a dog who's more high-strung, um, your mannerisms, everything you need to do is can be a lot more, you know, calm and a lot more laid back. If your dog needs motivation, if your dog is timid and shy and needs that motivation, you're going to show a different personality. You need you need, need to bring out the dog's you know attitude, bring out the dog's um, um, you know you know personality. Um, second, you know, I mean, I mean, the third thing I would tell people is, you know, before you train your bring your dog out in a training session, have a goal of what you want to accomplish in the training session, and when you achieve the goal and the session, really, really super important to make sure that you plan things out. If you don't know what you're doing, if you have no idea what you're doing. Most intelligent dogs are going to know that. And you send that message to your dog that you don't know what you're doing. So what I tell people is, you know, again, number three, plan the session out, you know, have an, you know, have an idea of what you want to do. Um, the fourth thing I would tell people is when you end the session, end every session on a positive note. Leave the dog wanting more and end the session on a positive note. Um, Really, really super important. And the last one probably would be, as far as the sessions go, short sessions, two-minute sessions. <laughs> right. Really, really super short. Again, two-minute sessions, you're leaving the dog wanting more. If you bring the dog out for the very first session and that dog is working, you know, 15 minutes and he's just fried and he's just like, oh, my gosh, I, you know, he's not going to want to come back out again. He's not going to want to come back out. Right. But if it's a two- or three-minute session and you put him away and he's like, well, then he's, just, he's like, that's it? That's all? Mm-hmm. That's all. So he's he's chomping at the bit to come back out. So that's those are really you know kind of my five five tips that I give people. Well, I actually have a dog that is uber smart, and I, everyone thinks that their dog is uber smart. And my husband really didn't realize how smart the dog was, and we've had him for ten years or something. And I always work with him on a new trick at least once a week. So he's got quite the quite the library of tricks. Um, and one day, Art, my husband, asked Frankie to do something. And Frankie did it. And he's like, how did he do that? And I said, well, I worked with him. He goes, well, let's see if we can train, do a new trick. 
And so we did a new trick, and within two minutes, the dog had a new, uh, a new trick, for lack of a better word. He's like, this is the smartest dog I've ever seen. And I'm like, it's scary how smart this dog is. He's an Aussie, um, an Aus- Australian Shepherd, we want to say cattle dog mix or blue healer yeah. or That's something. True. Yeah, you, 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 yeah, you've got, you know, you've got these smart breeds. Those are yeah. smart breeds. Right and if there. he had thumbs, he'd steal the car. Them. That's what I always say. Yeah, he... Well, that's the thing I tell people all the time in my courses. You know, it's all the individual dog. I said, you know, you know, we teach. I teach my students that, you know, we've got you know six phases in the sit behavior. There are always six phases. Now, we're going to start with phase one. You may be on phase one. You're three or four sessions with a dog that's really out of control because it's just standing there on all fours, having the dog take the treat. That's phase one, you know. But that border collie or your dog. You're gonna. You might be in phase phase one for you know like okay thirty you know ten seconds or whatever <laughs> right. like okay you're not gonna do phase two oh phase two I'm phase two I'm there for ten seconds phase three I mean you might have it have it finished have literally the behavior finished in in two minutes mm-hmm. so we always want to make sure we lower the bar you know keep the bar low so you don't know exactly what you want to you know you know so you do, so you don't so you don't, you want to keep the bar low so. Um, in the event there is dog, you know, dogs who take some time to learn, you're working at that dog's speed. And if they give you more, great. And tell people how they can get a hold of you and get more information about uh, your you, books and your certification yeah. and all that. Yeah, my certification courses, um, go to joelsilverman.net. And um, we fly out to dog daycare businesses across the nation. So anybody that's got in, and all, on top of that, anybody else that wants to take the course while we're doing it is more than welcome to. So then go to my website and check out my schedule. Um, and then also uh, it's joelsilverman.net. And then also um, we've got my alternative training collar that I patented. We've got my books and my DVDs as well. We we have these online videos where people can actually sign up for membership. We have that too. But most importantly, um, go to billjack.com for information on billjack on the treats, the food, um, really how the food is, is made and, um, and all the independent studies that they have had done from these are people that are independent people that will um, talk to you about the food. And it also has a link to all, they also have your videos up there. Yes, there's a ton of videos on there. Yep, they are. Thank you to Joel Silverman. For more information, please visit his website, joelsilverman.net. And you can see some of his training videos on BillJack.com. Mouthful is sponsored by CCF Documentation. Whether you want to train your employees or teach your customers how to properly use your equipment or product, or you are wanting to market your expertise to the world, online training is fast becoming one of the most sought-after forms of training in the business world today. Providing flexibility as well as consistency E-learning will get your new hires or customers trained faster and with less resources. At CCF Documentation, we provide customized e-learning solutions geared to proactively and efficiently train your employees or customers with measurable training outcomes. To maximize your training effectiveness, contact CCF Documentation at ccfdocumentation.com. If you have questions or you'd like to be a guest or just want to talk dogs, please contact me at mouthfulthepodcast at gmail.com. I'm also on all social media platforms. And of course, you can find me under my name on all those platforms, Lori Lynn Barker. And that's spelled L-O-R-I-L-Y-N-N-B-A-R-K-E-R. With Mouthful, I'm Lori Lynn Barker. Stay fresh, cheese bags. <laughs>